0: Welcome to the More Deals, More Money podcast. So if you're in property, you're probably looking for one of two things. You're probably looking for, number one, more deals, or you're looking for more investors. Then this is the show for you, because in this show, we talk to deal makers and deal funders to find out what makes deals stack and the nitty-gritty about deals and what makes deals work. So in every episode, I'll be delving deep with a different guest to share their knowledge of how they found a deal, how they interacted with the vendors, how they knew it was a good deal, and the same with funders as well. Why did they know that that person was the right fit? Because success leaves clues and following successful people will have a massive impact on your own career. So if you do like this show, please do hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. And if I could just be cheeky, if you do get just one nugget from this show, then please, please, please do me a favour and share this show all over social media. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to this young man. He's got a vast experience. Um, Buzzing to hear about it, about what he's learned from the family and how he's taken the role and really pushed on with it. Um, and that young man is Brinley Little. How are you doing today? Very
1: well, Ryan. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, thank you for coming on. I mean, it's a uh, big fan of the family and uh, the, the sort of content that you guys put out. So it was always a definite to, uh, to get you on. But for those listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you just give a brief background of who you are and how it came to be that you are where you are today?
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, Yeah, welcome to uh, to the listeners of of the podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, share some some insight and some experience um, from my personal experience, um, but obviously um, some of the nuggets as well that I've learned from from the family. So. bit of background from from me uh i'm i'm a third generation uh, of our family to be involved in land planning and development um primarily in sort of new build uh housing um so our business really kind of kicked off and began the ball rolling with with my granddad um anthony thomas little back in the late 50s um and has really kind of grown from there really passed down through the generations to uh to Richard, my father, who, who I know has been, uh, been on this podcast previously, mm-hmm. um, and then on to me. Um, so over the sort of uh, five, six decades that the family have been involved in the business, um, we've uh, done a lot of deals, um, made a lot of money, made a lot of mistakes, um, learned a lot of information and insight into the industry and how to... Uh, Build a business that, you know, lasts and has longevity um, through different cycles and things like that. Um, Prior to sort of joining the family business, as it were, I I qualified um, in uh, landscape design and construction. And um so I sort of pursued a bit of a career in that, ended up um designing um some outside spaces for um companies like the BBC and uh, Gardeners World Live um at some of the shows. Um and kind of uh, joined the, the family construction business from there, really, to add the kind of that string to our bow. So we we had a small uh design and build business. Um so I very much started at the at the bottom, really, in in the trenches, as it were. Um, so spent eight nine years as a general contractor, um, so on sites ranging from residential um, conversions and, um, and and small sort of jobs like alterations and things like that, um, all the way up to new build uh, development sites. Um, so learned a lot of skills, and I, I think anybody that that has experience of, you know, the construction side of the business, um, it stands in good stead for transferring to maybe building your own business, doing your own deals, and 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 focusing on that side of things. Really, so it wasn't until around about 2014 that kind of made the the shift really or the transition from. On being on site to then actually working on the business. Wow, that's um, that is a
0: <laughs> that is some history there. Why why did you make that that transition then?
1: Um, I, I mean, I I, it, I love being on site. I love you know working working with my hands and um, you know seeing seeing things change on a daily basis. It's something that I do miss to this day, um, really. But I think. I got to the point where, uh, like deep down, I I knew that I had more value to give. Um, you know, just being being on a building site for the next, you know, twenty, thirty, forty years wasn't something that I really was looking to to, to pursue. To be honest, um, I mean, growing up uh, around that industry witnessing how hard um my granddad worked my dad worked because they also started um as tradesmen on site as qualified bricklayers so seeing you know seeing them work hard um hard hard graft hard labor um you know it 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 really kind of uh struck a chord with me to sort of say yeah i want to put in the graft but i also want to work um where I can add as as most value as possible and have m- as most much impact as possible, I guess. Mm, that makes I mean, that makes perfect sense. And then, you
0: know, to be to be striving to to do that, and then and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on stage. I know that you've got sort of significant experience talking to vendors, and that's one of the things that a lot of people or they always seem to ask me, oh, what do you do? What do you say to vendors?" Um, and that's great for me on this podcast because I can get people like you on. So it's not just my ideas of what I to say. I say to them. It's also people like yourself who've got vast experience with them.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, f- f- from my point of view, it's where I sit um, within our current operations. Really, um, it's where the front end of the process is. You know, opening the doors. Effectively, we've got a good team behind this with 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 great um, knowledge and expertise of the other kind of areas of, of the business planning um you know obviously i've got experience in the construction side and managing projects from that point of view but it obviously you can have all these resources in place you can have all the knowledge in the world about how to build houses and how to raise finance and you know everything sort of that side of things but unless you can get in front of decision makers uh, landowners vendors um and, and open the door then it's kind of the resources are just going to waste really so i sort of honed my skills and um have really kind of um worked on that side um really so my, my main role is is to kick things off um and obviously utilising, um, you know, for example, Richard, my father, his experience um, if, if needed and, and, and as and when necessary, really.
0: Yeah. So what was that?
1: What was that like when, you know, you did your first sort of direct to
0: vendor outreach? Did, did your dad give you any, any tips? What did you, what did you learn from the family and, and how did it go?
1: Um, it's, it, 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 it's, um, it's always a learning experience, really. Each one you do, um, you, you always learn something, something new, whether that's reinforcing some of the things that you do well, or it, or it's reminding you that you, you should ask certain questions or you should, uh, you know, operate in a slightly different way. I think some of the main things that I got, um, in the early stages and it's still true to this day to be honest and it's still information and, and knowledge that we pass on to cons- consultancy clients and people like that that we deal with other developers is that one of the keys to, to, to meeting um, meeting vendors and, and landowners is um, actually we, we don't go it alone so it's very rare that I'll find myself in a meeting um, by myself Um, We always take a kind of uh, a two pronged attack, really, Um, whether that's myself and Richard attending a meeting or whether that's myself and another member of the team attending a meeting. Because, um, you know, you always um, to to, to kind of link it to to something else. You know, if if any of the listeners or, or yourself, Ryan, have ever been to say a doctor's appointment um, and you're listening to, to to the doctor give you a diagnosis of something and you might be sat there with your wife or your partner, your husband or, or a friend or family member and you come out of that appointment and you've both got two slightly different sort of recollections of what was said mm. um, and, and that's very, very um, sort of similar so we use that approach when dealing with vendors because the early meetings, they're the most important. You know, The first couple of meetings where you're creating a connection and you're building a relationship and you're building that trust, you want to make sure that you maximize your chances of firstly building a connection. So if you've got multiple people in the meeting, that's a, firstly, that's a fantastic opportunity. But you also want somebody to just be aware of some of the other things that are going on. Um, and some of the things that are being said you know taking notes and things like that so then when you finish the meeting you have a debrief you know you're much better you're in a much better position um, listening to your own thoughts but also somebody else's that was present at the same time. Mm. I think that's
0: that's a really key point you know if you <clears throat> if you think about that and there's two of you sat there one of you might be talking and trying to Trying to build that rapport with the the vendor, and the other one then can observe the body language of the vendor. Because I've I've found myself it's very very difficult to try and build rapport, sound knowledgeable, and observe body language all at the same time.
1: Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. It's whether it you know exactly as you're saying there, whether somebody is sort of tasked to looking at that. You know, you might have a pre meeting um chat with, with with your team member or whoever's in the meeting sort of say well what's the main things that we want to want to achieve out of this meeting and what are our roles within the meeting um and it's just making sure that uh, you know you've got your best placed really you've got the information that, that you require um quite often and it, it's incredibly common that um that the vendors um, they're they're not alone either. You know, it's, it's certainly with land and stuff that we deal with a lot. You know, we're we're primarily in the land planning, new build sort of space really, and, and typically um, our vendors are either families or they're business partners. There's always generally multiple people at the meeting as well. So as well as observing. Um, and taking a back seat and looking you know at body language and things like that you're also potentially looking at connecting with the other people in the room as well yeah yeah definitely i agree that's
0: i think when when you're doing the land transactions or you know you're buying big big buildings that have got businesses in a lot of the time there's so much to consider as well. There is multiple people, it's family, they might have inherited the land or or whatever, or they might have bought it because their business was run there and they've got multiple business partners. And that's key. You know, This is probably the biggest transaction they're ever going to do in their life. And you've got to be able to understand that and appreciate that this is huge for them.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think for, for us, I mean, I don't know how other developers operate we have an idea of how 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 the industry is obviously but you know we we can only really comment on what we do as a business and and for us you know dealing with with every every landowner every vendor that we deal with whether it's a corporation a a, a small business whether it's um, an organization whether it's a family like you like you say it is an important thing for them um, and we we need to treat it as such. I think where people often go wrong when they're when they're looking at at, at, at deals because deals are hard to come by. Right, it's not easy that you know you, you you find an opportunity or you send a letter out and you get a call back and you know you, you do a deal there and then. It's it's not that simple. You have to churn through a lot and filter through a lot of opportunities, have a lot of meetings, send a lot of letters out. And I think it can be very easy for maybe early stage developers to kind of focus on quantity, which you have to have an eye on quantity, uh, quantity but it's it's not taking your your eye off of when you're in the meeting it's 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 actually listening and connecting and understanding with that person um, you know what they're looking to achieve really um, mm-hmm. it, 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 It's a big deal for them. Um, you know whether it's like you said, if it's land passed through the family, um, or, or, or whether it's a business or, or, or what have you, the decision to 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 sell or the decision to 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 maximise their asset is is something that's going to affect probably not just themselves, but it's also going to affect you know future generations possibly. Yeah, and I think it's thinking about
0: that sort of before you go into the to the meeting, do you guys you touched on it sort of briefly, but do you guys in your team of whoever it's gonna be you and one of the staff or you know one of the team or you and your dad, do you guys sort of debrief and give each other the role of X and Y? And you're gonna do this in the meeting and you're gonna say that in the meeting. Is that sort of how you prepare? And do you think about what some of their objections might be or or
1: what? Um, we, de- we definitely um uh, prepare prepare for the meetings generally um we'll do a bit of um a bit of background um a bit of background on on the site itself um not nothing too um major we don't want to get carried away at an early stage by doing loads of numbers and looking at a, a lot of detail to, to to the extreme but we want to arm ourselves with a a, a base level of, of information and knowledge around around the site and and what may be possible um, and from a, a role within the meeting point of view depending on who, who it is if it's if it's myself and 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 Richard generally speaking I, I, I tend to take the um, the, the, the leading role um, um, with with Richard and his, his experience, because that's that's probably if I'm being honest, it's probably an unfair advantage that we have over over other um developers, if you like. Um, you know, we're multi-generational and we've got a lot of experience in the industry. So from a from a trust point of view, from an experience Point of view, it, it, it puts a lot of um, landowners uh, at ease and gives them confidence because we can demonstrate that we've been in the industry a long time, um, and and that and that helps really. And and as I said before, a lot of landowners are often families, so we've already got a common ground that we can connect with and, and build rapport on, being that we're a family business and they're a family business or a family looking to 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 you know maximize what what they have um so we we do go into the meetings you know fully prepared and we do then debrief um afterwards really we we have our various meeting notes we don't tend to go into meetings i see a lot of uh, often asked actually and we often got asked a lot during when we used to run training events and things like that about scripts and questions and things like that i mean i'm i'm fairly you know pragmatic when it comes to, to to meetings i mean i don't have a list of questions or um a, a, a kind of crib sheet of information it, it just kind of comes a bit bit more naturally to me mm. um and i think the more times you do it the more natural it gets so it might be good to to start with to have a sort of uh, an idea of where you're headed but um for us we, we we've done it enough times now where it just um we roll with it really because you've got to uh, You've got to react you've got to listen and then you've got to build on you know what's being said in the meeting completely agree and I've spoken to to a fair few
0: vendors in my in my time and then a fair few people who've gone how do you actually how do you actually speak to vendors you know do, do you have that script and I'm very similar to you right I don't actually find that element of property that difficult speaking to vendors I enjoy that part quite mm. a lot and I think for me, the first meeting I'm always trying to build rapport and see is this are we compatible you know do you mm-hmm. trust in me to deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver but do I also have trust in you that as a vendor you are going to do what you're, you're you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and for me that's the first meeting is that and then trying to to sort of ascertain you know what they're trying to achieve because and you know you've you've touched on it That's Looking at loads and loads of deals, and then having lots of meetings, you've got to try and quickly narrow down the best sort of opportunities. Be really interested to to sort of know how you guys identify which ones are are the sort of hot leads, and which ones are the best Hmm. opportunities for you
1: guys. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a it's a really uh, interesting sort of insight that you've made there in terms of. you know what what objectives you have in certain meetings. So we we have a process basically. We 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 work on what what we call a three by three process. So um, for, prior to the meetings, because we deal a lot with um, off market opportunities, really, we're not really a company that 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 goes exclusively to agents. Commercial agents uses the portals. Um, and, and and goes down that route it is part of our kind of uh, process of identifying opportunities but predominantly we we operate in the kind of off-market space so identifying uh, land opportunities through planning lists or maps or or what have you um, and we send letters direct to to the landowners and decision makers so we we work on a three by three so we would work in a three letter cycle um again so that's one of the, one of the common mistakes that I see um, people make developers make that are, that are look into source land opportunities um, direct is that they might just rely on sending one letter and say yeah well, I've sent forty letters to forty different sites, and you know i've had really haven't really had a very good response. Um, whereas we work on a three-letter cycle. So we'll send an initial letter, we'll wait four to six weeks, we'll send a second, and then we'll wait four to six weeks, we'll send a third. Um, And then that that kind of three-part also then um, sort of transcends into the meetings as well. So we'll work on a three-meeting cycle as well, hence the three-by-three. So it's three letters, three meetings, and we have certain objectives that we want to achieve at each meeting, because um, one of the worst things that you can do and, uh, is go into a meeting, skip over building rapport and connection, and try and get to the bottom of you know what how much somebody wants for their land and trying to do a deal as quick as possible. Because the industry doesn't really work like that. Um, in our experience, you know, vendors do do deals with people that they know, like and trust, and that takes often takes time. So, meeting one, we generally outline. The objective of connection building rapport and nothing else really we might have a bit of understanding of you know what what they're looking to achieve but at no point are we discussing numbers um or anything like that we'll go away it gives us a chance to 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 debrief on the meeting and 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 have a look at the the opportunity in more detail um and and if it sort of uh, ticks the boxes, we will move to sort of meeting. Look to set up meeting two, where we have done a bit bit more work in terms of looking at the the, the opportunity and, and seeing if there is uh, a, a solution to uh, to their problems um, uh, in terms of uh, numbers and deal structures. So we'd be presenting uh, a kind of uh, proposal, if you like, in in meeting two, and then. Generally, meeting three would be looking to um, close off on on a heads of terms and start moving forward. Um, so we do have sort of set objectives for each meeting. Um, but I think I think the question uh, that, that that you did ask was was about how, how do we assess um, what what is a good deal or what is a hot lead? And f- for us, land is land. Um, most of the stuff that we obviously because we're identifying them first and then uh, uh, sending letters out the land already has we've identified that it already has potential so f- for for us that's less important at this stage and and it's more about the 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 owners the 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 owners the vendors um it's can we create a good connection with them because like you say it's not really a two-way street it's it's um these processes often can take a long time certainly if you're looking at subject to planning type deals and tying in to to working in collaboration with people for extended periods of time then you know it's important to to know them and and like them as well and feel that you can have the right kind of conversations and this, the, we, we always say it's it, it, it's not the agreement, it's the spirit of the agreement that's important. So mm-hmm. it's whether we can connect with them where we share similar values. So firstly, you could have an amazing deal. You could look at the numbers. It could be fantastic. But if the, the owner, you know, you're just not connect, connecting, you just don't fit right, you've got a bit of a bad feeling um, in your gut ab- about it, then, you know, we walk away from them. Um just because a a number on a spreadsheet, you know, might return what you're looking to return, doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do.
0: One
1: hundred percent. Because what is the point in in dealing with
0: a difficult situation when when it can be it can be avoided? And um, so you've sort of outlined those three meetings. That's brilliant. And I think for anybody listening, you know that they should just rewind, listen back to that. A three by three is. Is a fantastic example do do you alter the letters at all or is it is it a case of the first one is identifying an opportunity the second one is presenting yourselves and the third one is like a call to action
1: um we we do we do iterate the letters slightly slightly um you know we, we we see that you know people um people can s- sort of put out there that you know you you've got to uh, write letters with coloured envelopes and you've got to handwrite the, the 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 envelopes to, to the owners and, and, and you've got to say certain things in the letters and and, and, and and to be honest for us we don't really tend to buy into that because um there there never is any um testing conditions that are identical. Yeah. Um, time time moves on, motivation changes um, you know, day by day for, for for ourselves as well as you know everybody else really so for us it's just sticking to a bit of a process um and an efficient process as possible um so yeah we we do have a sort of a set set letters but um we do tend to um sort of tailor them to specific situations for example so rather than having a a generic um uh, letter template um that that you add the, the the land details into we might have Different letters for different situations. Whether a land's got planning, whether it hasn't, whether it's uh, been an allocated site, whether it's you know whatever situation we might um, you know look look to be a bit more specific, um, and then follow-up letters are just slight iterations, really, just to try and uh, try and evoke some kind of response. And to, to be honest with you, what we don't like is 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 no response really you know we've had responses that have been quite tough to take on the phone don't get me wrong you know when you you get a, a vendor ringing you up saying you know swearing at you down the phone why you're bothering me and all, all this kind of stuff but at least then we know we can check that off the list we can update our uh, database and we can we can move on really so the the, the good responses are both yes and no And I think that that what they
0: those ones always make me laugh, and people always say, you know, to do that in property, you have got to be quite tough and thick-skinned because you're going to have some vendors give you uh, some choice words on the telephone. Um, But I'm with you on on everything you're saying. You know, the they're good ones because you know that okay, that they don't want to deal with us. Okay, so we we won't contact them anymore. But also with the with the copy of the letter, I think a lot of people say that so that you, they can try and get a sort of salesy, you know, online marketing. You say these words and you will provoke a response because you are using an emotive language and mm. bits and bobs. And I, I don't, I've sent thousands and thousands of leaflets and letters out and I don't agree with that. I agree with you that every situation is different. Every vendor is different. So I think that works in a sales point of view because the target market that you're identifying usually has the same problem, and then you use those words that the target market has. But in land, you know, you could go from talking to a CEO or founder of a company, then to an 85-year-old lady, all of her children and grandchildren, about the 14 or 15 acres that she's got. Mm. The the vastness of vendors just amazes
1: me. Um, yeah there's, a, there's 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 such an array um of profile but i think the more that we do it the you, what you do start to see is trends um so if you can see trends in 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 the profile of person that you're dealing with you can then start to maybe adapt and iterate some of the copy or, or some of the language that you use um to, to suit really I, I, as i said before a lot of uh, a lot of the the you know one of the profiles of of of, of landowners if you like that we deal with our families mm-hmm. um so that's obviously very it's kind of almost kind of the lower lower hanging fruit so to speak f- from our point of view in terms of um h- how we can connect with them because you know it's ready made for us we are a family business and um, you know, a lot of rural type land, e- land on the edges of villages and things like that. They're often, you know, from farming communities, and, and farming communities are often, you know, generational businesses. So we're, we're looking for these kind of trends, really, um, and, and 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 just looking to connect with people. What what we don't do and what we don't like, I mean, it's not really our methodology. Um, it is that kind of salesy approach we're not we're not uh, you, you know it's a sales business every business is a sales business but for us it's about connecting with the right people and and being able to work with them um, so it's less about trying to get them to sign a bit of paper because obviously the industry is is riddled with um, uh, with people left right and center that are signing up options on land and signing up deals um, all over the country and, and promising, you know numbers that just aren't achievable, and and these are the kind of things that we aren't afraid to actually talk about when we connect with with landowners. It's kind of like an us versus them, really. Let them know what what kind of uh, unscrupulous kind of tactics are used in the industry, um, because we're, we're confident in our systems and our kind of philosophy of of how we operate our business that that we will we will get we will get the opportunities that we are supposed to get and sometimes that is about pushing people away and then maybe they might come back to you in you know however long time mm, totally agree I've, I've been in situations
0: like that where you know i've i've been second in or i've been first in and someone's come after me and i know full well that that person is not going to do what they've said they're going to do uh, but the vendor is going to go with them, um, and just explaining that to them. Mm. I, okay, well, here's my number. If you ever need any advice, just ring me. Just please do ring me, uh, and knowing that that they're gonna they're gonna come back. One of the things that I like to do at the end, um, when I, I think I've got a bit of an agreement, is ask how we will know that we're on track, and how will we address things if we come off track. Is there anything that that you sort of put in place with vendors?
1: Uh, it's, it's certainly a good uh, a, a, a good sort of habit to get to get into. Um, for us, it's um, it's consistency of of communication. So it's it's always making sure that there is clear call to action at, at the end of each meeting, even if it's not okay. You know, sign here. Um, the, the call to action might be um, let's get another date in the diary or um, you leave them with some literature, you go through that and, and, and I'll speak to you um, in a couple of days' time. It's just having that clarity on what the next steps are for us. Um, but I think um, what we do try to do really is is, is, is be open and honest from, from, from day one um, and we do make it clear that at any point they um have any questions or they they feel uneasy or things you know that they're a bit unclear about things then then get get on the phone to us certainly through things like the legal process because we all know how long that can take um you know and and, and i would say that's at that point is where the the deal is, is most vulnerable so it's about maintaining that consistency of communication, whether that's just a, a call every week, whether it's regular emails. Um, but it's always making yourself available to, to just talk things through really, because often where things do start to unravel and, 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 and fall apart is just miss misunderstanding or miscommunication. So we just, we just keep a tab on that. Really. We don't necessarily put it as succinct as, as you just did, Ryan, to be honest, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just maintaining maintaining that, uh, that those open communication links are kept all the way through, really. Yeah, I mean, mine was, mine's not something that I can take credit for.
0: Um, I tend to look quite a lot at where I have made mistakes in business or in, in, in property and where I feel I can get better uh, and try and think about that a lot. Um, good friend of mine, John Corey, told me a quote from Steve Jobs, which I really, really like, is that it's only by looking back can you connect the dots. And I look back over a lot of the things that I do and go, oh, God, Ryan, you dropped a ball there. Um, mm. And then I read the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And Chris Voss is an ex-FBI negotiator. And that was one of the things I got from, from there because I was very – I Identified that I'm very very good at building relationships with people, but a little bit flaky sometimes at the the call to action element of it. Not for booking another meeting, in, but getting a timeline from them of what they want. Mm. Um, and that those those sort of questions really really changed sort of my negotiation and 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 that next step. You rightly so, you know. You say that most of the deals are most vulnerable in legals, and they are in communication is such a massive, massive part of that. Because that that vendor's gonna to talk to a solicitor who is gonna potentially explain something to them and confuse them or or scare them or or whatever. So being able to have that no like and trust factor with you is huge in that that element and making sure that if they do call and you miss it, you get back on the phone with them as soon as possible um, and just communicate with them. I think so many business relationships or business deals in any, any walk of life, whether it's property or whatever, communication, the better you are at communicating, the better you will be at, at, at business. Um, fundamentally, in, in
1: my experience, I don't know what, what you think. Yeah I I agree with that that 100%. Um and I think um, just just uh calling back to to what you said about you know, learning from mistakes ultimately that's that's what what we've done and, and and how we've been able to build a multi-generational multi-decade business you know survived thrived through multiple recessions is because we've we've learned from those mistakes we've we've experienced what the business is like when it's booming you know when 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 times are good when markets are are, are going up um but we you know the, 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 those times are are great but you don't necessarily learn the lessons that are going to enable you to build a, a business that will last so it's about understanding the, the the where you where you make mistakes and, and and often where you make mistakes is is when times get a little bit tough. Um, so for us, you know, I've heard like sales salespeople in, in, in other industries, you know, that they, they have similar processes to what you say about sort that of, I think they call them like hit and miss forms and things like that, where after meetings they'll they'll go and uh, they'll sit in their car and they'll go, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Um, we don't really have a formal process from that, but we certainly get a debrief to sort of say actually what we should have done was this, um, and we just evolve really, um, learning from 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 mistakes and 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 we sort of taken that forward really. In, I mean, since we've been involved in in kind of property networks and 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 working with other people, other developers, uh, investors. Um, as in collaboration, but also from, from a consultancy point of view, is that it's, it's great to learn from mistakes. It's even better if you can learn from other people's mistakes. And we've been in the industry a long time. So a lot of the advice that we give people is based on mistakes that we've already made. Um, hence, the you know looking back to the three by three process, we didn't just come up with that a few years ago and go, yeah, this is how it's done. It, it, that has evolved from, yeah, sending out one letter, not getting the responses. Um, go, go into one meeting, two meetings, it, even to the other, other end of the scale and having five, six, seven, eight meetings with the same people, but things aren't going anywhere. So you do, you do start to learn. You do start to evolve your processes. Go into meetings alone. Sometimes you can't avoid that, but you know if we can... You know, we are putting these things in place to give us our best chance, really. Mm, I think that's one of the reasons why I love doing
0: this this podcast, to be honest, because I get to have some really, really good chats um, with people like you, like your dad, like Nick Carlisle, you know, and just find out their, what they did right and what they did wrong. Is the is there a mistake that if I say to you now, what is the mistake that you just put your head in your hands and go, oh, God, why did I say that? What What is the first sort of one that comes to mind?
1: Um, I, to be honest, it's probably not something that that, that we've said um, specifically. Um, I would say that, that uh, one of the, the kind of biggest, biggest mistakes that we've certainly made... Um, and we see a lot of other people make is is getting a bit too carried away, um, and and um, because we might be dealing with a, a piece of land or a building that we really do see potential in, or um, you know we really do connect really really well with the owners or something, and 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 then uh, you know emotional part of you sort of takes over and you. And you start um, when you start asking the question, "How can we make this work?" You realise that you, you're perhaps um, on a bit of a slippery slope, really, because what we don't want to become, and you know, we've certainly fallen fallen foul to this previously, is become a motivated buyer. Um, you know, dealing with you know one opportunity at a time, or dealing with something that's particularly an interesting building or a piece of land that you really can see the scope for or or as I said a, a vendor that you get on really really well with but the, the numbers might not stack up and it's, it's, it's almost getting carried away and rolling with it that's one of the biggest mistakes that we've made previously. Hmm. Do you
0: find that having two of you in the meeting sort of helps counteract that because and you, know, you get back in the car together, and one of you might be like, "Oh my God, that was like the best building or the best piece of land. <laughs> this is gonna be incredible and then the other person's
1: like, "What were you in a different meeting to me <laughs> yeah it's uh it certainly brings balance uh balance to proceedings uh, certainly if it's myself and um and me dad um we're often you know uh, we often have slightly different outlooks on things we share a lot of the same views, but um you know, it's always good to 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 get you know the other side of the coin and the and a different perspective. Um, it, 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 it keeps you grounded, I think. Mm. One of the so one of the things I'm really interested to ask you
0: is about so third generation developer. Um, what are the things that sort of you noticed? with sort of changing times that you wanted to then implement that were different to how things were were being done whether that was you know a fresher fresh set of eyes a younger set of eyes or you know maybe even a little bit of technology
1: yeah i think uh, f- f- for me um it 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 was uh, you know the 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 industry as a as a as a whole it is a difficult industry you know it's not easy to be in sometimes um, you know you have to take a bit of a back seat and and i think at time uh, at the time sort of back in sort of 2014 where i was still i was still working on site but but um, still had a bit of bit of a kind of desire to, to look at things and uh, and and maybe build my own business or you know that kind of entrepreneurial spark in me was was really firing and I think at that time um our business was was drifting a bit to be honest so I think kind of that youthful enthusiasm um kind of inject it, it give a bit of an injection into our business and probably fired up my my dad a bit more to get get a bit more involved in things or look at things in a slightly different way um we started getting involved in, in 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 kind of networking and things like that, and I think prior to that, we, um, you know, the industry as a whole is quite a closed off industry. It's not particularly a collaborative industry, so um, it, it kind of opened opened my dad's eyes in terms of how how the business could be run and how deals could be done now, as opposed to how they have been done previously. So. I definitely think we take more of a collaborative approach now um, rather than, than a you know, do-it-all-of-ourself type, type, uh, type approach.
0: Amazing. I love that. And now I've come to the sort of point of the interview where we're towards the end and I've got a couple of questions to ask you which I haven't shared with you. So number one, what do you think it takes to be successful
1: in property? Uh, persistence uh certainly um and um having a good support system around you having good good knowledge experienced people around you and consistency of action mm. it's very
0: it's very similar to a, a lot of the very successful people that I've asked that question to it's it's the same along the same sort of answers and i think we live in an amazing time where you can get access to those support networks if you need them um i think it's amazing so number two then what do you do to relax
1: oh blimey uh, <laughs> um t- to be honest i i um uh, a bit of a, a d- difference so i've grown up li- watching my dad like constantly work but but that's because he truly loves what he does um, so a, a rest if you like to to my dad will be working on a different project um, whereas for, for me I, I do have um, you know sort of um, things outside of, of property and, and, and business that I enjoy doing um, so I, I enjoy um, I'm a cricket fan so I, I enjoy watching cricket I play I played cricket for the last sort of 12 13 years um, I'm a runner. So a lot of the time to to relax, I think for me at the moment, um, I'm I'm actually training at the moment to run the 2020 London Marathon. Wow. Um So uh, a lot of my time, my relaxing time is is spent out on out on runs. Whether it's uh, you know getting a, a consistent, making sure I'm you know, so I've got to train three or four times a week. So three or four times a week, I'm getting some time away just to myself with my own thoughts um regularly and on, on the weekends you often do long runs that might be between an hour and two and a half hours so you get quite a lot of time just to for your own thoughts um and just to switch off from the world and um, i'm a new dad as, as well so i've got that that uh, uh, that that takes up uh, the, the rest of my time which is which is amazing um so pl- plenty of things going on um but um But it's, uh, yeah, everything for me centres around kind of the the family, really. So, um, yeah, family business, but also enjoying time with the family outside of business.
0: Mm, I love asking
1: that question to people um, just to see what what they get up to uh,
0: and then the different areas and different interests that they have. Um, I just love it and I love then. So you can build rapport that way as well if somebody has... Uh, a sport or an interest that's the same as as you so the last question then before i let you go is what's the book that you wish that as soon as you'd finished it you could forget it so that you could enjoy the whole magic of that book all over again
1: um read quite a few books over the last few years um i would say let me see yeah, it's an interesting question that. Because um, your
0: brain automatically is going business book or fiction, nonfiction. Hmm.
1: It's interesting. So I, 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 I'm a I'm a I'm a, a listener more than a reader. So I do, I do listen to a lot of books on sort of like Audible and things like that. I quite like actually listening to nonfiction quite a lot and autobiographies as well. So I, I do enjoy the business books, you know. Uh, whether it's the, you know Think and Grow Rich, the kind of classic, classic business books, or some of the you know the the more more recent ones. Um, uh, Key person of influence by um, Daniel Priestley um, was it was a great book, and he, he went on to become a business mentor and a good friend of mine. That still is a, a, a good friend of mine now um learned a lot of things from from that book i must say um that, that, that are applicable in business and and in in life as well um but I do, I do like listening to stories of of how other people whether it be a sportsman or a businessman or an entrepreneur um you know listening to their story of uh, of how they came to be successful and what it's sort of taken for them to kind of uh you know, maintain that kind of high level of performance. Really, sort of David Goggins' book is good. Some of the kind of autobiographies and some of the cricketers that that, that I'm quite uh, fond of. That you know, good good reads. Really, mm, I I like that. Mine mine
0: is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, okay, yeah. That book, loved it. Wished I could have forgot it. And that's where that question came from. I remember finishing that book, going. I can never read that book again and enjoy that book as much as I just have. Wow. Um, so I always wonder what other people have uh, have got out of books, mainly because I
1: like reading those kind of books. Um, that people- I think we all need a bit of escapism sometimes, and whether that's a book, a book like, yeah, kind of a fantasy-type book like that or whether it's, you know, just... for me like you know getting out and and running the streets and and listening to I mean I've often ran and listened to yeah Harry Potter um or or some kind of fantasy fiction or some kind of stories because you, you get lost in the story um and I think it's important to to do that sometimes um so yeah I'm a big big fan as well myself amazing so you have been an absolutely
0: amazing person to chat to and to and to learn from as well and i'm sure everybody listening would agree so if people want to get in touch with you what is the best place or way of them to for them to get in touch with you
1: and so you can find me on social media there's not too many brinley littles on social media so you shouldn't have too too much trouble finding finding me in your search bar um i'm on facebook quite a bit i've got instagram and 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 twitter i think but i don't really spend too much time on on those platforms so social media wise it'll probably be facebook um and um if if anybody wants to get in touch with me directly um for any advice um uh, when it comes to land property uh development planning anything like that or any land deals or, or anything like that then yeah feel free to uh to connect with me on Facebook or or drop me an email. Um, do, do you circulate uh, information, mine, or jump want me to?
0: Yeah, to... If, you drop, if you drop the email out on here, I'll also put it below so that they've got it twice.
1: Excellent. Okay, so it's uh, it will be brin, Bryn B R Y N at yourlandpartner.co.uk.
0: Fantastic, so I'll make sure that all of those are are put below and everybody will be able to uh, to just click them and uh, and send you a message if they do thank if they want to. Thank you very much for for coming on
1: Brilliant, thanks for having me ryan it's been uh, been a pleasure.